1: Welcome back to the Try, Fail, Learn podcast, a podcast all about professionals and the lessons they've learned through the years. In today's episode, we have Ryan French, the Regional Vice President of Sales in the Midwest for Altrix. Some of you might know him as Ryan from Detroit. So without further ado, let's get into it. Ryan, thank you so much for being on this episode and taking the time to talk with me. Um, if you could just go ahead and give yourself an introduction, and we'll we'll get into it.
0: Appreciate you having me, dude. Um, intros are tough, but what I will say is most people know me as Ryan from Detroit, with a little hashtag in front of it. Um, I got to start off for where it all started, which was um, not when I was a baby when I was born, but uh, when I was when I was born again, right? Like when I was sixteen and met my wife. Um, Fell in love, like had lots of stuff before that that wasn't so great. Parents separated at ten. Um, grew up in, in born in Detroit. Actually, grew up in a little ghetto town over there that used to be nice, but by the time I was born, it wasn't nice anymore. Um, so a lot of rough, rough stuff growing up, like playing kick the can. Most people don't know that game. Um, doing a lot of crazy stuff you do when you live in a little, little uh, hood, hood uh, growing up. But, uh, but my life really started, I would say, at 16, met my wife in high school, fell in love with her, and then saw the way that her and her parents loved each other and understood that there was something deeper there. And And I was um, raised religious, I would say, uh, raised Catholic, and then I would say the religion kind of pushed me away from God because I didn't understand how one religion could be better or different or right compared to another. And when I met my wife and her parents and I thought I was smart because I was more agnostic at the time and bitter and young and a lot of testosterone and not understanding why my parents weren't together, um, I was like, what religion are you? And they're like, we're not. Like, we just, we believe the Bible and we believe God's word and we just try to live that way and do what Jesus did. And it it pierced me, man, it like, it pierced me deeply. So that's really when I started to open up my mind on like, okay, maybe there is something more. and And you kind of know it like, we could get into that, I think people, like I talk to so many people, man, and whether whatever they believe, it doesn't matter to me. I just wanna love them. So they loved me through that, um, gave my life to the Lord, gave my life to my wife, grew up together, and then, dude, I got married while I was in college for engineering um, at 20 years old, and my wife was 19. I turned 21 three days after we got married in Hawaii on my honeymoon, and then by the 22, I in this within the same month in August of 2007, I walked the aisle for to to get my diploma from University of Detroit, Mechanical Engineering. Um, We moved into our first home, and my wife had my our first kid, my daughter, all within the same month, and that was August of 2007. Um, And then, dude, like we can get into it, but like my son came two years later just living a life of, of dedication to the Lord and like dedication to my wife and my family. And that's been the constant driver in everything that I've done ever since.
1: It's so cool that you started with that about like, you know, being born again. And for, for so many conversations that I have, like, I, I don't share that part, you know what I mean? Like in professional conversations, but, um, I mean if you really boil it down like so much of of who I am as a professional and like my leadership strategy and everything I do like my work ethic comes from a foundation in Christ. You know I mean a foundation in the word and so um I think it's really solid like really awesome that you started off there because that really does like project into everything that you do. I mean, everything that I do and you and I, I feel like are on the same page and we've talked a little bit before, but I mean, you're not, you're a Christian first and then a professional second. And that's thats the way I like to live my life. I mean.
0: 100% dude, it, it, like it's hard. <clears throat> the thing about it is for me, and I've lived a lot of jobs and experiences in life and different parents coming from different backgrounds, all sorts of crazy things, like grew up in some ways with money and then like kind of got poor through the divorce that my parents had, like all sorts of crazy stuff. But what I've realized is that when you live in servitude to others, which is like Christ, Christ-centered, Christ-focused, like my conversations to this day as a sales leader, it, and I don't force it, and I don't, I really don't care what people think about Like I'm not trying to change them. I just want them to be happy. I want them to understand what joy and peace is like, because you can't buy those things. So still to this day, if I feel compelled and I'm on a conversation, even a first call with a customer, you know they'll well, we'll start talking about each other and i'm like hey i'm like my wife's my best friend of 21 years we've been married 16 going on 17 years this year and like i love them i'm a man of faith i love my kids i coach my kids anytime i can and like that's who i am oh now you want to talk about business let's do it but like that's the foundation of what makes me who i
1: am right 100 yeah for yeah. sure and i so i wanna you mentioned that you went and got an engineering degree so let's let's talk about that so you sure. got uh from University of Mm -hmm. Detroit Detroit okay cool so why did you choose engineering
0: very simple I um I talked to my wife's parents and uh well let me back up when I was actually in high school and I was so dedicated to to serving God um we actually had a church Uh, it's a long story there but like I got saved and gave my life to the Lord in a big church and then i became part of the prayer team and a part of all these different things at a young age at 16 normally they're older and there's elders of the church and started to realize that just the church was sort of it was good they had good intentions but it was sort of religious more than it was like just trying to live relationship um so i was on fire for god man like i i just it, it never ended still to this day so i fully intended to go to school to be meant to be a minister like that was my plan like i had my mom, yeah, I live with my mom and I visited my dad, but like my mom, she's so awesome. What a great mom. Shout out to you, Brenda Mom on LinkedIn, by the way. That's a funny side note she like i never changed it for her because she didn't know how but she literally signed into linkedin and created an account just so she could follow my my posts so she shows up like lowercase brenda uppercase mom and like i could i just never like i still smile to this day because she'll always chime in on my posts and be like that's why we love you rye that's why you're so great like she's just one of my biggest fans um but yeah like she was collecting pamphlets and just i think there was almost 900 christian colleges that were were there. So senior year high school, laid it all across the floor. And I'm like, okay, Lord, like show me where to go. Where am I going? And like, I heard that still small voice was like, no, like, I don't want you to go learn from some other man. Like I'll teach you. And he started bringing me to scripture that confirmed that. And I was like, okay, like somehow I probably knew this was coming or should have at least. I was like, okay, Lord. And i was like all right like i think i'll go to engineering school then so it was like i needed to i needed to get a solid degree and i was that like typical good at math and science and i thought there will always be a good technical like other opportunity for a technical solid foundation that you could build on um we can get into college as well but that was 100 percent wise like i want to be a better business leader one day let me go and do the hard work and it'll lend itself to me you know growing as a leader at some point capacity
1: gotcha So with that engineering degree, I echo that completely. Like there are some, there are some degrees and some education. We can get into that more, but like they're building blocks. You know what I mean? To other things like my best friend got a degree in engineering, um, from University of Central Florida down here and then, um, went and worked for Lockheed Martin and now he's running his own business. He's making, uh, he's converting, uh, like sprinter vans and things like that into RV campers. So super, super cool guy, super entrepreneurial, uh, you know, attitude towards life. And so like I'm all like psyched for him and excited. He's in Arkansas now. And um so yeah, I think that there are certain degrees that build, you know, a foundation of of learning or education. You know what I mean? Like an engineering degree, there is, there's a lot of technical positions that you can take that to. Um sure. but in Detroit, there is a market that is huge and it's automotive, which is where you started, right?
0: That's a hundred percent it. Yeah. Like everything I did growing up and everything I knew about was like Detroit was like, it was all, it was called the big three back then. Right. They called yeah. it the big three. Um, and then it became the Detroit three, but it was in my roots. It was in my blood. My, my grandfather worked for, for Ford motor company back in the day. And like in, in engineering school, the, 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 the goal was always find a way to get to what we call an OEM, like go and work for Ford or for Chrysler or General Motors. Um, and what's funny is when I had the opportunity to do that, I turned it down because I realized a lot of that like scrappy, scrappy hard work was done like one layer down, what we call like a tier tier one supplier. Um, So, yeah, it was an end goal. I ended up not really wanting it in the end, but it was engineering and automotive for sure because I knew there'd be work uh, and I could raise a family on that.
1: So for me like a lot of my passions started uh, in high school, right? And that's where I yeah. like started with like photography and I didn't do a lot with video cuz even back when, I mean I'm 24, so technology has not really advanced in very much I guess in the last 5 years that I've really been involved, but even in high school entry level video was was really hard to get into. And so, you know, as a you know, kid is just like making a few bucks, you know, mowing people's grass and <laughs> pressure washing driveways that was not accessible. But like a lot of my passions started back in high school um, and fed into like what I'm doing now. Like I always loved uh, talking to people and teaching I was homeschool all the way through. So I was a part of homeschool groups, uh, which nice. feeds a lot into like what I do now with LinkedIn and just like having uh, a platform to be able to talk to people and share things that I'm thinking about. Um, but tell me like what what was what was Ryan's passion in high school and into, you know, early years. And even when you were getting an engineering degree and those jobs to pay bills, what was the passion back then?
0: Yeah. Passion's always been centered around people. No question. Um, my mom will tell you that my, my wife will tell you that I love people. I love building relationships and I love finding ways to help them solve their problems or like align around their, their, their value and their needs. Like sometimes people have a hard time recognizing that that value within themselves, and I think it's created worth. Um, not like I coined that, but that's something I think about. Like it's not just worth or value, but Like God created that within you. Um, so it was that. But like I loved music, man. Like I grew up. I was that kid listening to everything from, uh, which is which is relevant from a recent post, but like In Backstreet Boys to um, Eminem, DMX. Yeah. Like growing up in in, <laughs> in, the, in the ghetto, man. Like we listened to a lot of hard stuff and and then alternative, but like I played music for seven years. Um I was a drummer. Uh, I played in a jazz band at school. Like I was always competing to get that like top spot. And, and but I never really practiced in the sense of like I'm gonna go and like practice and become the best musical like like composer composer, or be able to read through the music. So like i would I would learn by listening, like playing by ear a lot, and then kind of pick it up. So I loved it. But then one day, and after I met my wife, it was kind of like, it was the Lord. It was like, am I gonna go to college for this? And I was like, no, I'm not. Like, This isn't the, what I wanna pursue. So I quit cold turkey. Um, my my band teacher, who was a great musician, but interesting fellow, he like told my wife one day, he was like, one of the best drummers I've ever seen in my life. Like, what's going on? And I just felt like the Lord put on my heart, like this isn't what you're gonna do, like there's other avenues. So that's when I picked up the camera, checked into yearbook, um became uh, i wanted to become a better writer i was not that great at writing and i knew it was a tough class because we had a really tough teacher but a good teacher and i checked myself in and man when the first time i picked up the camera i fell in love and uh, i was learning everything on film and then when i was 17 still in high school i started a wedding photography business that that uh basically took me through my early years of college i think i photographed a little over 70 weddings Um, all by word of mouth, didn't, didn't really get into the marketing side of it at that point. Um, just started letting it grow and self-taught. So it was pretty, that, that was my passion for a long time.
1: I gotcha. Yeah. I have so Mm -hmm. much respect for wedding photographers and videographers. Mm -hmm. So much pressure, dude, so much pressure. And I did one and it was such an absolute, I was like 14 Yeah. and I did one like a buddy, you know, and they were like, Hey, you know, you want to take pictures? Like, sure. And it was a disaster, bro. I felt horrible. I was like the one time. You know, it's like it, you can't go back and like redo the wedding no. ceremony, you know what I mean? Anyway, so massive respect for wedding photographers. Yeah. Um, how did we make the transition from engineering into what you're doing now, which yeah. is more in the sales and and very relational, very people-oriented like your passion was? But how did you transition from engineering to that?
0: So when I became an engineer, I actually um I actually negotiated and convinced my company that I was with at the time was TRW Automotive. I convinced the chief engineer that I was working under as like a co-op slash intern. I was like, look, I got a family. My wife and I are going to have a baby. Like I, I, I put me to work, like put me to work. I'm ready. So they took a chance on me. They didn't want to lose me. So actually, I got hired a year before I graduated as a product engineer honestly bro like did not want that job like i wanted to be a customer facing engineer and product engineers got pulled into customer meetings but not it wasn't the same at the time but i took it as a stepping stone and they were so good to me like they they basically i, I had a, a leader come to me that really liked me in the customer group we call it customer applications engineering at the time and he is like look i know like he sat me down in a room a little conference room he goes listen we love you like we want you this is the best thing for you and for us like no one in the customer group or internships like no one goes and does this and builds that knowledge like go and do it for us and bring it back so like i did it i was like all right i appreciate you i did it and then um, i moved into customer facing roles so for like four years of my five years of 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 hardcore engineering other than that first year um that's a first year product and then the, the four years following at the same company I was all over the place man i was with like big managers and leaders at ford motor company testing brake noise at 5 30 in the morning on a negative 10 degree day like i was going like mad scientists figuring out the stuff in excel going through all this crazy stuff like people see me now as this like happy-go-lucky guy or whatever but they don't know like the hardcore data engineering that i've gone through for a decade um in automotive it's it's cutthroat Um, You're you're working on razor thin margins, and like everyone else, there's always like three, four people standing behind you waiting to take that business from you, even if you've won it. So like, I got my taste of customers, obviously from the wedding days, but like I was able to push back into that in the automotive engineering space, and then a a a supplier of mine that I was working with Treleborg, a bunch of younger uh, folks that were run like that were running the business underneath a president of North America that was probably forty years old at the time. They saw something in me and they were like, hey, they, like they couldn't say it because I, it wasn't, you know, we went to lunch one time. And I remember and the, the guy was like, hey, he's like, yeah, I'm going to Sweden. He was Swedish. Shout out, Ronnie. What's going on, brother? But he's like, he's like, hey, man, I got to go to Sweden. He's like, but man, when I come back, I got to find somebody. And I'm like, okay, we're eating lunch. And I'm like, kind of hearing it. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm like, well, what kind of, what, what are you looking for? Like, if I can help, I'll help. And he's like, well, we're looking for a salesperson. I'm like, that's cool, what kind of background. I'm like, it's like, you know, we'd really prefer something, someone that's like, um, got the technical background, and I like like I got I got the the picture at that point in time. I was like, okay, and he's like, I'm, we're looking for someone like you. And like I looked at him, I was like, all right, and he's like, are you interested? And and like he was super cool about it. So we baked that out, and then they gave me my first shot. And uh, yeah, dude, it was like. There was a transition for sure because when you get into like actual sales it's different it's different than selling on only technical like now you've got to solve all of their problems paperwork procurement negotiations all this stuff so there's a little bit of a transition but i took over the chrysler account and uh grew it like crazy and then that's actually how i got into sales and then that's actually how i met eric jennings my boy uh EJS. EJ, he hates to yeah. be called but i'll never <laughs> let die um so it, that's how i made the transition
1: Okay, I got gotcha.
0: you the additional one,
1: yeah, so what I think is is interesting and like with uh the episode with justin Justin Rowe um yeah. we Jim were talking Rowe? about the yeah we were talking about the the philosophy when it comes to sales right and in their their job we were talking about you know I was saying that that sales is really driven by relationship, and you and I have had this conversation before and with uh the product that he at impactful dot com sells um building those long- term relationships with clients that are soon to be or prospects um, is not as beneficial for them as it would be for um, somebody who's selling like um, something like you guys sell or like uh, software to run your entire company, you know, things that are going to be huge deals that are going to be months and months in the making, you know, and he mentioned you directly. Um, So my question to you is when it comes to sales, what is your philosophy for sales? Um, Is it really a foundation of leadership? Um, Is there a a balance that you have to draw between spending too much time or?
0: Yeah, I'll say this uh, and it it ties really well segues from the the, the technical degree conversation we just had. What I've always said to people is that and and there are some folks I went to school with that are hardcore engineers and like took what they learned from U U of D and, and mechanical and like took it and rode that that you know that pony hard but for me it was like engineering gave me an opportunity to learn how to critically think through problems and if i can think fast enough through problems and then get ahead of the customer or get ahead of the issue and see what the outcomes or potential outcomes could be like it happens so fast once you get used to it and it's not like you just train yourself to do it you, maybe there's something inherent like there maybe there's a gifting or something there too but like for me that's what engineering did for me and when you think about jro and like what they're going after, they're targeting a lot of what we'd call SMB, right like small to medium businesses because there's a there's a quick sales cycle that happens there um, which is awesome and I would I would imagine and I listen to the podcast, which is awesome dude, you guys killed it but like um, I think if you if you talk to Justin about, or, or it bakes out a little bit more on like, okay, but what do those longer term customers look like? You'll probably get to the conversation or land with where I'm gonna tell you now on that relationship side where you need to build trust. So for me, I've built trust with executives. Um, I've become friends with executives. So I got some CEO founders of companies that become good close friends. I've got CIOs that have moved from big fortune 200 companies to like go run companies other like based on one thing, and that's trusted partnerships. I never bring them a product. I never sell them Alteryx. Like I never sell them our actual technical solution. I'm selling them based on business outcomes. And what ends up happening, and this is me and how I actually believe, like this is an front, is that um, the, the less I talk about product and the more I talk about their end state, the better off we both are. Because reality is what these leaders don't have as you get like higher and higher on that hierarchy or that org chart, what everyone will tell you and you could probably guess right now is like they lack time, right? When you go and acquire a company, like our, our company just, just announced that we were intent, there's an intent to buy a pretty large company for several hundred million dollars, um, which I wasn't privy to or anything beforehand, but like all this stuff, when you take a look at it, what, and I've talked to my CEO about this, like we're, we're, we're close friends. The comments that have been made, or the things that I'm, I'm being careful here, just to not avoid any trust or anything. But but the point is, and he did say this publicly in, a, in an interview, you're buying when you go and buy a technology or a subset of people that have been working on a specific technology, and you bolt that on and like incorporate it into your company. You're basically buying years, like to get yourself ahead. Like that's two or three years you don't have to develop it. I think of my role as the same exact thing for these executives and these sales leaders. Like when they bring me in, I've seen a lot of the things in the space or the areas that they want to work in. Like I've seen what other customers have done. And of course, you're careful not to avoid any confidence or trust there. But I'm going to help them see what that end state looks like because they've got an idea of like, okay, this is what the dartboard looks like. Right. And there's the there's the bullseye. I'd like to get as close as possible. But like what happens if I miss the bullseye? Or what like what throwing techniques do I have to have? Like when you start looking at all those things, I can sort of paint that picture for them and I can roll out the scenarios for them of like, here's three or four best practices we've seen with these other companies. We helped them do it. Oh, and we've got the internal and external resources that I promise you I'll bring in the best possible. So like they're de-risking their their opportunity to get to this end state by bringing someone like me in and the point is that's what i teach all of our sales teams that's what i teach like that's what we instruct and we share on and like riff on between me and the other sales reps and the folks that are on my team now like how do we offer that so that we never product sell and one great example i'll give you is that i have a a rep on our team that's a, great, a fantastic dude um, made a transition similar from a different industry into tech a while ago. He was on a call and I was on a call with a customer, a potential customer, and one of our technical resources, we call them sales engineers or solutions engineers, he's like, hey, I've been here 20 years. The call that you just had, he's like, that's the best, they call it discovery when you're going through these, these question answer sessions, that's the best discovery call I've been on in 20 years and you guys never talked about product or software one time. like." that's the cherry on top for me right there like that's exactly that that sums it all up that's what we try to do when it comes to these bigger companies
1: yeah. that's awesome that's really cool i think when i talk to other salesmen you talk to people in general there is a, a thought when it comes to sales sales is almost like a, a bad word it is in some in some fields you know what i mean and they think of you know the the classic is a used car salesman you know what i mean that's gonna out there and i would even venture to say that salesmen of cars in general have this stigma placed on them that you know, it's just a guy who's trying to hit his quota no matter what. And if he has to bury you in a bad deal, he will just to make the sale. True. You know what I mean? But I don't think that that philosophy is going to exist forever. And I think part of it is we live in the the information age. And a lot of people are doing a lot more research these days than they yeah. used to in the past. Um, but also, I think that good salesmen know that they want to set people up with the best deal possible for sure yeah i think it's
0: value man like that's what we talk about and we preach all over the place here is if the customer can't understand the value you bring to the table and what that end state looks like with you involved then you're missing the mark like you're not bringing them what they actually need they're not they're not just like everyone knows they have a problem and there's probably 10 solutions that could fit in even if it doesn't fit perfectly you want to give them i kind of make a joke sometimes it's not like a hard joke but i'm like look I want to tell the customer like i'm gonna put you in the back seat like we'll we'll buckle your your seatbelt for you i'm going to give you a nice iced tea right you're going to chill sit back we'll put on some easy music and like let me drive you want you want to come up here and like grab the wheel and drive sometimes too that's fine but like we're going to take you somewhere and it's going to be fun along the way we're going to feed you we're going to make sure you're taken care of you're hydrated but like we'll get you there safely and oh guess what it's going to be an enjoyable experience I think so many of these things are so simple and so subtle and almost everybody um, or the majority of sales folks miss those opportunities in the in-between. They completely miss it. So I treat my people and my my software people, my sales people, my customers, my prospects, my friends, like I try to treat them like gold, man. Like I, I'm here for a yeah. short amount of time on earth. And if I can give someone something that's going to make their life better including the sales cycle and and customers like i'm gonna do it man that's who i am and like i think that's where a lot of people miss out because they are looking for that paycheck and telling you dude like i don't even look i don't like i don't look at comp statements a lot like once in a while but like it's not that for me i i've given up a lot of money to move companies when i knew it was right and god put it on my heart like um especially the last company uh when i moved here but it's for the bigger longer longer term goal
1: yeah something you touched on was like making an experience for somebody and one of my mentors and i attribute like teaching me everything i know about leadership to this guy but hector vasquez and i would i want to get him on one of these but the dude is just i mean amazing guy like met me and my wife before we were married helped us go through you know the the whole experience of, you know, learning how to communicate to each other and the dynamic there. And just like an awesome guy really mentored me. The church we were at really wanted to make sure that people felt welcome and loved. You know, I mean, every time that somebody came in the door and something that Hector loved to emphasize was creating an experience for people, you know, and if you can create an experience that is that is a step above what is average or what is expected or what is normal, it doesn't even have to be that crazy outrageous. But if it's just a little bit, you've won somebody over, you know what I mean? And something that, that really like stood out to me in the, in the the field of customer experience was uh, we went to a restaurant for my mother-in-law's birthday and, um and they like heard it was her birthday and they brought her out the dessert or whatever. Right. Well, one of the, the staff went and got like a, a birthday card and I guess they had birthday cards there and everybody in the kitchen, everybody around signed oh, it. And awesome. I don't know if that's a common thing. I've never seen it. I don't it. know. Yeah. I've never, I yeah, mean, f- I don't, I don't go to fancy restaurants. So I was just like blown away that like it was like handwritten with pen. Everybody in the kitchen, all That's the wait awesome. staff, like everybody wrote this little note, like happy birthday. And I was like, she doesn't know you guys. It's not like she's getting a note from her grandma. But the fact that they took the time to make a personal experience for her just like blew me away. And I was like, this is an amazing restaurant. And that is like my goal when it comes to anything that I do is I want to make somebody go like, wow. They yeah. took the time to do that.
0: I think it's an awesome goal, man, because I think there's so much um, meat on the bone, if you will, in that space that people just miss it. And it's because people are rushed. They're overworked. They're overburdened. They're thinking process over people. Like there's so many things that you can break that down and talk about, like so many specific points. But um, I make I make an intentional effort with my team, um, with my customers, with my executives, with everyone I come to. Like, I want you to know I'm here to serve you and if i'm here to serve you i'm going to think on your behalf and in your best interest and everything i do like i'm going to prove to you that that's who i am and like it's never going to go away and i'm telling you man like even the jokes come up with some new customers sometimes i had a breakfast with one um like about 8 months ago and then i had to hand off the account to some other folks and like finished it at the same breakfast place it was cool but initially when we first met like they were super stoked i even took the time to drive out to meet them but like, of course, a couple, and I get it. Like I'm I'm i feel the same way, but they're like, oh yeah, of course, because like you're the sales guy, right? A lot of conversations like that. But then they realize that, okay, he's not that kind of guy. Right. And then I've had folks and customers where like I've been badged at customers because I've been embedded into their teams, even though they're literally buying software from me, right? I'm there to sell them more software, like quote unquote air quotes, you know, quote unquote. But reality is like they'll give the reviews and they've talked about afterwards, they're like, like, I forget that you aren't you don't work here. Like I'm a vendor, as they'd say it, it's like yeah. trying to get through procurement or whatever. And like, I'm sitting down to have coffee with the procurement guy or gal because we've built a relationship and they realize like they're waiting for that moment where it's like, oh, there it is. Like we were waiting for it, Ryan, and now you just proved it. And it's like, never gonna happen, dude. Like never gonna happen. Like I will be so transparent with you that you'll never get surprised with what I'm doing unless it's like a good surprise. Like, hey, I got you a better discount and there's some strategy around it and it makes sense. But like. I just, man, it's that stuff. Like, that's so, I'm so passionate about that because I've seen it happen in life. Like, I've seen people go out of their way for me when they didn't need to. um, And it matters. Like, you don't forget those things, you know? Right.
1: Right, yeah, I have so many people that have gone way out of their way for me, and I mentioned Hector is one of them that just like went the extra mile in teaching me things and really meant I've got you know my grandfather and my dad and my brother. I've got like a ton of mentors in my life. Um, George Speak is the first episode of this podcast was a big one too. Um, but let's talk about that. So mentors in your life that helped you get where you are,
0: yeah. I mean, I have to attribute some of the success, if you will, and like me being who I am to my parents for sure. Like um, my my dad was an entrepreneur growing up. He was a firefighter in in Ecorse, Michigan, which is like literally a stone's throw from Detroit. Um, And he's uh, hardcore man, like the hardcore firefighter, built businesses uh, outside of being a firefighter, which a lot of folks in that service industry often do. So like a lot of my hustle and grind, like I saw it my whole growing up, like before my parents separated and even after, and then my mom, like my mom, crazy, and my, and my aunt and uncle who aren't related, but they're closer than, than my actual blood aunt and uncles. Like they created, when my parents divorced, like they created a company that was a roofing company partially so that my mother could be the secretary of the company, this was all part of the plan afterwards. So she could be the secretary and work from our home to raise us and make sure we could get to school and like back on time. Like talk about people giving themselves up for like the greater cause. Like they loved us so much that they created a company so my mom would not have to go and like put us in daycare, would not have to go on food stamps, like would not have to do all these things. So like I attribute huge, huge amount of uh, who we are and like what, you know, acknowledge that God has used these folks in our lives and they're such a blessing. My aunt Teresa, my uncle, Art, uh, my mom. And then I would say like when I started becoming a man at 16 and I realized what life was really about, like through all that trouble that we talked about early on, um, it was my wife's dad, Dave, and like and, and her her mom Rhonda bro, as well. But Hold
1: up, hold up, your father-in-law's yeah. name is Dave?
0: Dave, yeah. Is it David? It's David,
1: yeah. It's <laughs> my father-in-law's yeah. name, bro. So yeah. our wives are both Rachel and our father-in-laws are both David
0: what's the what's your what's your mother okay so Rhonda close okay
1: close Close. almost the same person man what the heck
0: so dude like if there was other than my wife for sure because she had I mean I dude I started dating my wife when she was 14. I I had a moment and I know I'm pivoting a little bit but I'll come back to Dave I had a moment where like stupid young kid in a dumb relationship right like one serious relationship my whole life like Bunch of dumb stuff happened. I was just dumb and like, and then I was like, I'm done. And I'm done until I go to college and I'm done until I go away to college, like all this stuff, right? Right. And I kid you not that summer, bro, like I was in student council and I was like the jock and I just did everything at school. So like I was at a orientation dance for freshmen. I was a junior, I was 16. And my wife walks in um, and I, like everything went away and I had tunnel vision, no questions asked. Like this beautiful blonde girl, And I was like, "What in the world? Like, what is going on?" And then, like, before I know it, like, I didn't like total random. Like, her friends dared her to dance with me, so like, she's behind me, like, dancing with me. And there's so like, there's so many crazy stories of like how a year before that, I was in her cousin's house, didn't even know it. We were just walking downtown with some friends, like, ended up looking at her, the 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 cousin's um um wedding photos. And like the two people I was with, like walked away to talk to the cousin, and I'm left holding the book because they gave it to me. And like I'm staring at my wife, just thinking like what is going on. And then like I meet her, like there's she lived around the corner from me. And my best friend, who was two years younger than me, never introduced me to her because he was afraid I would take her. So like we would, yeah, dude, we would. I would go to his house, I would stay the night. We would travel together. We'd swim in his pool. We'd play baseball together. He'd stay the night, and I didn't realize that like at six o'clock when I'd go home for dinner, he'd get on his bike and like wheel his little butt over to like see her and hang out with her and talk with her so like my wife wow. had shirts when I met her they were moving like I helped them move and stuff like and whatever that she was painting in like I remember an old blue Nike shirt with an orange Nike swoosh and I was like oh that's crazy like I had a shirt like that and she's like oh yeah and then like I'm like that's just nuts like how what are the odds and she's like actually this kid like do you know this kid Joe I'm like Murbach she's like yeah I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, this is his shirt. I'm like, no, that's my shirt. Like when I was over. Dude, like, no so, way. Yeah, so like, so anyway, so I met her at a young age, but she always spoke with such confidence because her parents raised her in faith, right? And yeah. she spoke with such confidence and wisdom, still does to this day. I love her take, like she's my confidant, my partner, like everything. Um, So meeting her and then like, uh, like intriguing, being intrigued and then meeting her parents and especially her father, like the most selfless man I've ever met in my life. Like he grew up hardcore, grew up Catholic, but like knew there was more to God than just being religious. Eventually, long story, like got delivered from smoking, all sorts of crazy stuff, and like big God God ways. Wow. Then gave his life to like serving God and wanting to understand, like not taking a man's word for it. So um, he basically, without saying like this is what you do, he gave me the guide rails to like allow me to pursue God in a way that religion the world books didn't teach you and he would just like when i would bump off the bumper he'd be like here's why i don't do that like you know just pray about it but he he knew god in me and he saw that like my 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 dedication so he like kept watering those seeds that god was planting versus like telling me what to do or trying to like brainwash or whatever he was just always like this gentle guide um and he became my best friend and he's like 35 years older than me you know so I attribute a lot of what you talk about mentorship to him, because I realized that when I walk with the Lord, um, and in a lot of situations, man, through the, through the history of my career, I often found myself alone, like, I, and I'm not getting emotional about this, but like, I love people so much. But like, oftentimes, if you just rely on people, they're going to disappoint you because they're not perfect. So i learned to really within my college like standing up for truth and being who god called me to be like i learned to lean on him and have that personal relationship with jesus like every day in communication with him and like so i've never really taken on a true mentorship like it's been me and the lord like i i loved i love in automotive like i'd get into these situations and i'd be in a boardroom dude with like six people and they all know a lot, heck of a lot more than I do. And I'd be by myself sometimes and I'd be like, all right, Lord, let's go, let's go do this, right? And then like end of the conversation, like by the grace of God, think like amazing things happen, they trust you, like all sorts of crazy stuff. But um, but that's really the case. I would have to say like as soon as someone's like, who was a good mentor in your life? Like initially it's immediately my father-in-law, like becoming a man and like growing into a man of God and like a man who wants to serve and love people. Like he had a tremendous impact on my life. It still does. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. awesome, that's yeah. awesome. I echo that for sure with uh with my father in law for sure. I, a lot of people have put in, you know, countless hours in in this dumb kid. I don't know why, but they have, and uh, David is definitely one of them for sure. For me as well. Um, so with mentorship, um, yeah. something that was really emphasized to me when I was growing up, and I still believe it to be true, is, um, I mean as Christians, but especially as men, um, leadership is something that we have to be good at you know especially like i think both sides of you know a mom or a dad has to be a good leader so how does being um you have the background in engineering which gives you an ability to speak into things that somebody who ideally would just be in sales necessarily may not necessarily understand um, but really with mentorship and with that and with sales and now you're in a sales leadership role how does all that play together in developing you as a leader
0: yeah I would say that the, the foundation of all of it in reality is faith. Um, I think people don't give themselves enough credit. like I think uh, and this is what's interesting about believing in faith or not having faith. like if you're not in faith or you don't really understand that relationship side of things, then you're always trying to prove to somebody, to yourself, to some outward um, you know some some outward um, person or, or external factor that you're good enough. And I think the biggest thing for me in all of those things when you talk about mentorships, and I think about my parents, my 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 father-in-law, my wife, like my my best friends, all this stuff, my kids, I don't have anything to prove to them. Like I want to prove who God is to people because I want them to have that same confidence, that same peace, that same joy, and that same lack of fear to step out and do something. Right. And this is the biggest thing in my life, man. Like I, if you look at my resume or my LinkedIn profile, like i'm telling you man i don't come across people that are like oh you're pretty normal like everyone's like what the heck like who are you like what do you do like what what's going on like that kind of thing so for me you have to have confidence to have a foundation you have to have confidence and the foundation to step out and make choices and i think we can learn anything if we put our mind to it Like. I always say, like the the difference between a doctor or like some, you know, CFO of a company or CEO, like the only difference between them and me is some some amount of time dedicated to the craft. Like I could have been a doctor if I wanted to be. I believe it. Like I don't believe that even people who think they're dumb couldn't, because you see so many examples of athletes and figure, like like big, you know, famous people, all sorts of stuff, all across that have changed the world from simple ideas. Um. So I think that foundation man is is so undervalued and it, and it and it that's what burns in my soul and that's why like the LinkedIn stuff that's why everything that comes out of me is like no you got this like I'm here for you I got you like I can see it in you so like just keep going until you believe it and you see it in yourself and like I think that is really the foundation when you talk about getting into leadership like taking it all up up that up that ladder if you will or whatever you want to call it like dude I was born a leader, bro. Like, I've 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 taken opportunities when I've led at other companies. I, another company, was a big Fortune 200, and like I saw the path. Like I did that. Like, hey Lord, help me. Okay, let's apply wisdom. I see my boss. I see what they're doing. I see their VP GM. I see what they're doing. I see the SVP above them. I see what they're doing. And all along the way, I'm like, I don't want his job. I don't want her job. I don't want like that's not who I am. So. I think leadership is is inherent, man. I think it's built into us. And I think um, to your point, especially becoming a father, a husband, you know, like a friend, um, leading a team, I, I tell my team all the time, I'm like, listen, and, and I worked alongside them as well, by the way, to like earn it. But I'm like, I'm no different than you. I have a different title, which which provides me the opportunity to have different responsibilities. But reality is we're the same. Right, like I'm no better, I'm no worse. Like I'm here, I'm a team member, like put me to work. And I just think people miss it, man. Again, like I love to make the distinction between leading and managing so many times because I've only really worked for the most part for managers, right? Like I've had a few, select few people in my life that I would call good leaders. Um, And typically when you do that, find those people, you follow them, right? You follow them until you have the opportunity to lead. So. Uh, long-winded answer I'm, I'm not uh at a loss for words typically ever so um I, but i would say that leadership is key and i think the foundation of that is actually less about it, just experience and like knowledge and more about applying wisdom to situations and making sure you're knocking down walls for for your people so they can see like oh this guy really cares about me you know that i think it's it's super important and like i said that and like 10 things rolled through my head of like this opportunity, this, this po- Yeah. So.
1: Right. Yeah. But leadership is something that I think we all do. And I had a, a pastor that said leadership is just a measure of influence. Everybody has a, a form of leadership at some form in their life. And I remember being in high school and, uh, and like you and I was younger, you make dumb mistakes, you know what I mean? So I had like sure. made some really dumb mistake and was like going through <laughs> some hard times, you know, and I was sitting in this homeschool group and I was like, the av guy you know because i was the only one that knew how to work it so i was like up at the front of this lady's house like you know plugging in the dvd player whatever the computer and getting all this (laughs) stuff ready to teach this class and uh like the unique thing about homeschool groups it's like all ages right so it's like you got high school kids all the way down to like elementary school and so um so i'm like setting up all this stuff and i like turn around to like look like out across like all these kids that are sitting there and like the lord showed me like whether you think of yourself as a leader or not all of those kids see you as one
0: 100% and i think
1: yeah. that oftentimes in work we can think like oh well i'm not the manager you know like i don't have that role or i'm not you know i'm not this guy's boss but if you are a voice of reason and a voice of wisdom or a confidant to somebody or somebody even remotely looks to you as a friend you have a form of leadership you know and and i i wish that more people would take that seriously um something that that really stood out to me when i was working at the airport is we would constantly i might get some beef from my old coworkers for this one but we would constantly have problems we would like hire these kids they would come out of embry riddle right and they would come on as operations coordinators for the airport and we would be training and they were like so cocky bro like like literally like sitting there and like fresh like not some of them not even out of college yet and they'd be like i'm gonna run this airport in a year it's like all right bro Mm -hmm. Go for go, it. Yeah, go whatever. get it. Go yeah, get it. Yeah, exactly. It's like whatever floats your boat. Like, I love your ambition, but like, maybe let's uh, come back down to earth. Um, and so I like grew to dislike the people that would come out with bachelor's degrees. And yeah. as I got older and started to realize that it wasn't necessarily that they had a bachelor's degree, but it was their outlook and their perspective. You know, we had George speak as the first guest of this podcast, and the dude has as many credentials really as you can get for aviation but he is like the humblest dude i've ever met you know and so what role does humility play in oh, man i would say sales but also leadership just work in general
0: i think it's everything dude i think you can boil it all down to that like you know there's got to be a, a a quiet confidence like we talked about and 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 i think that stems for me at least for, from a from a faith perspective um but dude we like we all fall down, we all stub our toe, like we all make mistakes. I think humility is huge and I think God teaches us to have humility, right? Like I, I know, um, I never, so I, I think I posted a video on this a while ago, um, but I, I never I never get to the point where I'm like, look at what I did, like look, look at what I did. It's like my where my mindset is, my heart, like my being and everything I am, it's like look at the opportunity that God made that I was able to step into. Look at the people he put in my life that was that have become a blessing to me, that have helped me get to where I'm at. And then I look at that as more of a, um, a mantle's a strong word, but it's it's a platform or an opportunity that God has made, right, like people think, you think about ministry for an example, as an example. When I was young in the Lord, And I was telling you, I'm like, I'm going to ministry school. I'm going to be a pastor. Like, I'm going to do all this stuff. Like, I had, and we had, my wife and I both had opportunities to step into, like, actual ministry formally. Outside of, like, we had our church, and we were certainly um, some types of ministers there. But I'm saying bigger churches. Like, people would see something different in you, and then they'd be like, hey, come in. But, like, we protected that. Because I'm like, I'm not Mm going to be influenced by somebody that doesn't think the way that God really wants me to think. So, from that same sense, when I think about humility it's like nothing zero zero point zero zero percent of my successes have been because i'm the man or like because i did it so well it's a hundred percent because god made an opportunity for me and i was able in the moment to like see it by the grace of god and like step into it so i'm a, a formal like leader at the company i'm at now Because God made enough opportunity for me to be able to pour out to others and bless others that like the doors opened for me. And then it wasn't even a matter of like, oh, look, like I have an opportunity to be a leader. I'm going to go do it. It was like, okay, Lord, what's the right opportunity? Um, And I'll tell you, like, I won't get into too much detail because this will be all over the place. But I like I had an opportunity to take a spot that everyone you'd talk to who is in management or not would be like, oh, dude, like, go get that. And I, I had a hundred percent lack of peace in the situation for a lot of reasons. And like my wife, I would talk to her and she's like, okay, what are you going to do? And like, I prayed about it. And God said through the whole process, he just kept reminding me, he's like, stay the course. So I'm like, okay, all I know is that God put me here for a reason. I'm going to stay the course. And like on the 12th hour, like, like D-day, zero minutes, like whatever, zero hours. Like I had a text message from someone that was like, Hey, like, if this doesn't, go the way you plan it, like, I've got something else for you. And I was praying the night before, like, God, make it clear to me. And like, I told this person, I was like, and I, I like literally texted them back. This was before like the final interview. I was like, you just, you just gave me what I needed right there. I was, And then I told him later, I'm like, I was praying last night. He's like, well, I was with so-and-so last night at the time you were praying, like talking about you and like saying, what if we could get this guy? So like, I look at this stuff as like you write the book, like right, you want to write a chapter in a book. I can't plan this stuff out, man. And like once you have that rec- like that recognition and you look up and you say, "Lord, you are so gracious towards me and you have a plan that like no man, like the door opens, no man can shut it, no matter what." And I trust that, then that's humility and it and it and there's not it's not false modesty. It's like, it's who I am, it's what I believe. And the only reason I'm here talking to you, I'm in the position I'm at is because God has made a way for this to happen. And without that, like, I would be nobody. And without my faith and without knowing who he is and like being able to humble myself before him on a daily basis, I'd rather, I I mean this with 100% honesty, like I would rather be dead. Like, Mm. if if I would, give me like i would rather be with the lord like in heaven than like some other dude that thinks he's got it all figured out and is cocky or whatever like making a ton of money like i don't want that like keep that far from me lord i just want to be obedient to what you put in front of me no matter how big or how small um and then i would say what's interesting is the more you believe that and understand it and you just keep stepping out in faith every time god kind of gives you the nudge you're faithful a little, like he'll make you, he'll he'll help you have much, like rule over much. Be faithful in, in the big things. So, that's it, man. Like that, that is humility, and then stepping out in faith. Like that's the foundation.
1: Yeah, Not it everything. has to be the key for sure, for sure. Um, so let's talk about LinkedIn. So sure. you and I met through LinkedIn, yeah, um, and we were connected for for a little while before we ever really interacted. Um, and I was like figuring out what I was doing with LinkedIn and wasn't really putting a lot of time into it. And, um, and then finally like figured out, you know, what my voice was and started doing more with it. Um, but let's talk about, let's talk about your journey with LinkedIn, with LinkedIn video. Let's talk about sales tip with Ryan. there's
0: a lot, but by the way, before we get in that, like, I'm, I know, you know this, but like, I'm super proud of you, bro. Like what you've done and what you're doing is like yeah I can see it. like you're it's it's moving fast and and maybe you don't feel it yet, but like I've told you this before, but like just just keep going. but like LinkedIn, um what's interesting, so I told you about the camera stuff, right, and the wedding photography business in high school. yeah, well, talking back about relationship and understanding who you are, self-awareness, which I praise God for giving me the opportunity to understand who I am and like tip and, and having a wife that's happy to remind me as my best friend, like, There was a time, and I I think LinkedIn videos started around late 2017, early 2018. I have to go back and look. But dude, from like 07 on, for almost a decade, I literally one day cold turkey hung up the cameras and didn't pick them up for like 10 years. And the reason being Reason being is, as I was getting through my wedding photography, like I was all in on what, and I still love cameras and stuff. But like, like you could take all my cameras today, and it's like whatever, I don't care. But like, it had a piece of my heart, right? Like it became, in a way, it was becoming like an idol to me. Like I would go, I'd I'd spend so much time on the internet researching. I was in wedding. wedding photography forums there was dwf back in the day digital wedding uh, forum like i was learning and i knew i could be a professional photographer like i got to the point where i was charging three grand a wedding back in like 05, 04, five and i'm like okay i could see the path to being like one of those guys out in cali that's charging 10 grand a wedding like i knew it and i had a photojournalistic eye and like i was doing things different and all this stuff so like one day I was talking to my wife and like we were just talking about something and the Lord convicted me. And I was like, and I talk to her about it. And she's like, yeah, you, you do. you like, you love this stuff, you know? But it was like, there's a time and a season for everything. And yeah. I realized like I was pricked at the heart and I'm like, Lord, I don't want anything to come between us. And I was like, all right, done. Boom, hung it up. So I hung it up. I think I had a little point and shoot, like no bigger than the phone, you know, that um, when we went in 2010 to Alaska, long story there, but when we ended up in Alaska for a trip, brought my little point and shoot camera, like I couldn't, it it was like, I didn't care. I just like snapping photos. Sure. But then um, it's funny how God brings things back to you because there's a purpose for it. Like by maybe 2015, 2016, I I had a camera, sold a bunch of stuff and like ended up whatever, like upgrading and I started messing around with some things kind of liked it or whatever. And I was like, all right, we'll see. But like, I never did video. Dude, I was 100% photography my whole life. That's like, I'm still, as much as people see the videos, they don't know my photography days and like what I do there. Cause like, I still, I I don't do it a lot, but anyways. So one day I was like, I think I need to learn video, how to edit all this kind of stuff. So I started teaching myself a little bit, but didn't love it. And then I was a sales leader at uh, ITW, like the company I was at. And I realized, I'm like, you know, this is not home for me. And there's a long story I I won't get into on this podcast now, but I basically, like there was lots of things that happened, big changes in leadership above me. And then I was asked in an interim period of like, well, okay, what's the real story? And what are you going to, what are you going to go and get you and your team? And I gave a number and the number was like 50% of what they wanted. So instead of telling me and I'm like you to ask me for the real number, like this is the real number with some stretch in it. I've got four people, here's what we can go do. And they're like, "We already told leadership that you were going to go get this other number." I'm like, "Yeah, but you just made changes because that wasn't accurate." They're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to ding you for it. Don't worry. Like we'll figure it out at the end of the year, but just go do your best." And like I realized then I was like I was so disappointed. So like, I went back to my hotel room in Chicago in a Holiday Inn, no joke. I started like fingering through LinkedIn of like, I'm gonna go get a different job, which I would never do, like not to say what never, but that's not how I work, right? But I'm like, ever like fingering through LinkedIn, like, yeah, I'll show them. Woke up the next morning, figured out that LinkedIn videos, doing it again, like LinkedIn video had just started. Hmm. And I was like, oh, and like, there was something that went off in my head. I was like, whoa. And so then I was like, these are terrible. Like, these videos are terrible. Like, what are they doing? Like, what is going on here? Everybody was in their car talking to their camera the wrong way. It was like, everything was vertical. It was like weird, bad yeah. quality. So I grabbed my camera phone and I thought in my head, like real quick, I was like, okay, I'm going to do a sales tip. And when I do this sales tip, um, I'm going to do it. and It's going to be the worst thing ever, but the sales tip's going to have a line of truth in it. So I'm telling you, like there's something that we'll share later, it's coming out, that's gonna maybe do be a little throwback to the original Mm -hmm. video. And when people don't know me and they see it, even people that know me, they look and they're thinking, like, dude, that was so bad. And in my head, I'm like, I'm not a genius, but like this is a little bit Michael Scott. Like, I was gonna go on that line (laughs) of like, like, you think that I'm this the dumbest person out here. And like then I accomplished what I set out to do. But then it was like I had this dopamine hit and this little like aha moment of like, oh man, like this could be a lane for me. Like mm-hmm. this could be, like this, I need my right brain to turn on more often because I'm using a lot of left brain right now. So then I just started making deals with myself and this is kind of how I do my do it and working out and all sorts of stuff. I'm like, okay, I've got some old Canon equipment that was like, I, I think I had a 30D at the time. It was a 30D. I think I got like 60 bucks for the body when I sold. Now it's all coming back because it's like retro, right? But like I had a couple lens. I always shot primes only because I couldn't afford the the real stuff, the L glass. But like I realized that like whatever. So I started doing video on my cell phone and I said, all right, if I get through 10 videos and I'm still digging it, loving it, I'll go get all my old equipment. I'll sell it. Whatever I can buy with that equipment, used because I always buy used, hundred percent. Always buy used for me. Like never buy. I never buy new. I do have a new microphone on top of my camera, but like never buy new. I was like, then I'll then I'll do it. So I got the I got the video ten. The brand came out it was like Ryan from Detroit. We'll talk about that too. I'll I'll go back to the throwback on how that yeah, name yeah. started. But I just I loved it, man. And like then it hit me again of like two things. And I think this is important for people. I'm rambling, but. If you're gonna do anything, number one, and you and you have a passion for it, any type of path even if it's gonna be like, this gonna last me three months and I'm out, brand it, hundred percent. Like, come up with some brand, like try, fail learn. Like, awesome, dude. Like, there it is. This is your try, fail learn podcast season right now. And it might be ten years. It might be ten months. Yeah. Like, you're you'll remember. You'll always remember the try, feel, learn days. um And for me, it was like, okay, what's gonna happen? And naturally, it was like Ryan from Detroit. So like, in that first video, I didn't know what to say at the end. I was like, and I'm like, you're amazing. And I just like slapped the camera and like that became the motto at the end of all the stuff. Right, so that happened, man. And then like, I just started realizing in life, if I'm unhappy right now because of my current work situation, no one's gonna come and like grab me and pull me out. Right, like they're not. So I was like, I'm going to go and connect with as many people that I find interesting as possible. This probably sounds a little bit like J-Row. We didn't know each other at the time. And I'm gonna use video as the the, the vehicle to get there, right? The vehicle to get there. So if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna brand it. People are gonna know what the brand is. I don't know how big this is gonna get. It might not get big at all. I just started connecting, dude. And what people don't know about that is the videos and everything you see are great. All of the work happened, all 80% of it on the backside of LinkedIn all through the through the dms through connection requests and like literally every night my kids and wife would go to bed 10 o'clock i'd be up till one or two in the morning editing because i I was learning editing i would be on video chats do with people in australia in europe like all across the world so like i was just connecting with as many people i could outside of my automotive influence and then um like 250 300 videos later man i got an offer from a from a software company to come work for them. And I turned down a verbal offer from this company called LinkedIn.
1: Oh, who's, man, dang, what the heck?
0: Yeah, it was crazy. Like I thought that was the dream job for me.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Um, And it probably would have been fun. And I, I know some folks there and like great company, great people. Uh, But it was one of those things, like when I knew I had it in the bag, I prayed about it over the weekend and the Lord was like, this isn't what I have for you. Like you, you'll be blessed in it, but like there's better. And I was right. like, oh, like I had a sinking feeling, told the recruiter on Monday, she's like, what? And I'm like, I love the company. And she's like, she literally was like, you have no experience in this space, like zero. She's like, but you're the most passionate person I've ever met about LinkedIn. She's like, you belong here. And I was like, wow. I know, but I can't take the job. She's like, "Wow, mm. you seem so sad. She's like, I just like to say not now, you know? So yeah, bounced around wow. a little bit there, but yeah, there was, there's so much dude. And like, you and I are sitting here talking and I'm sitting at a software company number two out of California and connecting with all these amazing people through this tech because I turned on the camera in Holiday Inn on LinkedIn and said, like, I'm Ryan from Detroit and like you're amazing. Like that was the whole thing.
1: Yeah. I think what's super important for people to take away, especially from anybody who's going to talk to you about LinkedIn content is that like, you can do exactly what you did. You can make these, you know, fun sales tips, videos, you can make a bunch of videos, you're being goofy or whatever it is. Um, But like you touched on and like Justin touched on, there is so (laughs) much work on the backside, you know what I mean? We're just connecting with people and, and commenting on things and engaging with people in a community. Cause like, that's what I didn't get. And I feel really stupid to say this cause I've been on LinkedIn for like two, three years. Yeah. And before I like literally didn't even realize this until like a month ago, two months ago. It's you know what good, I mean? Man. But like nothing is gonna go anywhere unless you engage with people. And that's exactly what you and Justin did. And it just like took off, bro. Like the content is great, but there's so much about like literally just engaging with people that I think is the biggest thing that you can do.
0: Well, and throwback to what you said, like if we go backwards, you said, what are you passionate about? People. Like I was like, okay, what am I most excited about when it's in in my career? I get so, so lit up, man, inside when I'm going to go visit a customer still to this day 100 percent. i'm going to jump on a call with you like i'm going to talk to people i think about people all day like i just i love people dude like i love people because i know that they have opportunities to grow within themselves whether it's business or personal and if i can be a small small part of that like a conduit then that is like i, I actually feel like and again throwing it back to like to, to the words of, of of jesus back in the day when when the apostles came up to him and he's like, they're like, hey, we got you a bunch. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but like, hey, we've got some food. And he's like, no, I've got meat you don't know of. And they're mm-hmm. like, where'd you get your food? Like, We had the money, we had the food, and like, they didn't get it at first. But like, for me, that's pouring into people. Like I am fueled by seeing people like actually move ahead, have faith, like faith grow within them, like find joy and peace and like get settled into that because, dude, the world is crazy. And there's so much that goes on. But like my safe place is like being in front of a camera, talking on the phone, being with my family and friends, like being with the people. So for LinkedIn and for people that are listening to this, if you're passionate about people, find a way to engage and like find a way to add value. That's that's all I can say. Like that, I, I am, I'll give you a quick example. I'm talking to you right now from a place of like lead, formal leadership at a software company that's $650 billion company. Right? with a bunch of executives that have done this before at big companies like Palo Alto Networks and Cisco and like all these companies. Simply because of this, and this is like what a lot of people don't know and I won't name the person, but I connected with someone on LinkedIn years ago. This person was based out of Chicago. This person had a software company that was a startup and I was in automotive. And like we had, a, I was like, hey, love to chat. Great, let's do it. We ended up chatting and he tells me his story. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna be in Chicago. I come there every month. Like, if you're cool, man, like just there's there's no strings attached. Like, I would love to just sit down and and, and chat with you over coffee or food. He's like, awesome. I get there. Again, I'm telling the story exactly how it is without naming names, but like I want people to know this because it's not me again, talk about humility, like all glory to God on this. God put it on my heart to do this for this guy. I went and talked to him. I ended up buying dinner that night. I insisted, like, God put that on my heart. I did that. And then he shared with me a bunch of stuff about his software. He was going to do like a like a basically a 1-0 launch. He had already launched initially. And I was like, dude, before you do that, if you'll let me, like, I would love to talk to a couple of people I know because I think you're undervaluing your software. I think you should price it higher. I think you'll leave money on the table. And I kid you not, bro. And you know me now, but like there was zero thought in my mind of like, I want to go work for this guy. I want some Pete. Like it was zero. It was like, how can I help this guy? because i reached out to a a guy i was working with who was my counterpart when i was leading sales he was leading ops he was a director he's like dude buddy of mine who i used to work with at this other company smartest guy i know he was actually on my team but i feel like we worked for him he just was here last week and here's his business card on my desk like i'm in chicago in the plant mind you you should call him and ask him like yeah because i'm like hey all i want to know is like what would you pay for this software i don't get anything out of it's for a friend and he's like I could tell you, Ryan, he's like, but you should call this guy and ask him. Cause he'll know he had no idea what he was doing about this. Like he just did the card was on his desk while I'm talking. He's like, Hey, it's funny. You should ask, dude. I call this guy. We get on a phone for 20 minutes. He's the head of supply chain for a software company called Anaplan. and 20 minutes in, he answers my question. And then he goes, by the way, have you ever thought about working in tech? I, I grew up in the Midwest. I know people like you, you're a super smart guy. We need people like you to sell. Bro, if I wouldn't have picked up the camera, I wouldn't have stepped out and made the brand. I wouldn't have captured the value and I wouldn't have poured into people as much as I could on camera, off camera and like taking that initiative, we may not have even met. And like, that's the stuff that blows me away. And like in those like really crazy days when I'm low carbonate and I, and I didn't get any Swedish fish, like I got actually tear up and cry <laughs> about that. You know, like like that's the stuff that God does on the daily yeah. for me and for people around me. And that's that's the whole thing right there. It's like my wife and I talk about this kind of stuff in our lives like almost every morning over coffee. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And like she knows I'm like it's a ministry. I had a sandal company I started for like 2 years. I'm like I want this to be a ministry. She's like how's a sandal company going to be a ministry? Well, guess what? Call it Exodus Sandals. Lots of pastors start calling you wanting free sandals, believe it or not. And they're like, "Hey, like let me talk to you about your life and why it's great." And I'm like, "That's awesome." And then the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you're like, "But this is what God wants you to do." And they're like, bah! start crying, you know.
1: <laughs> so like yeah. sandal
0: sandal company becomes a ministry. So like everything for me man is about all focused on that one, that one focal point, which is eternal life for people, yeah. joy yeah. and peace and eternal life. So,
1: yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I got all a right. thousand
0: stories, bro. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. I'll bet i bet you a do. Thousand. Yeah. So, um, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. I got two last questions for you. Okay. I so got worst advice you ever received and the best advice you ever received.
0: Oh man. let's go with the best advice first because that one's a little easier okay um give my life to the lord right like Mm. giving my life surrendering who i am and the way i think to align with the way that jesus thinks and the way that god set it up for us to think and the reason being is obviously eternal life but the real the truth is like i didn't start to really move and like figure things out until i surrendered to him like that's so best advice was like from my father-in-law and my wife like like you should give yourself to this thing if you believe it and it was Mm -hmm. it was the lord and like i knew it like he he got me man and like i said like you could take everything from me today and i wouldn't be a different person and i think that you take a little bit from a lot of people today and their whole world turns upside down so best advice would be um pursue Christ, man, pursue a relationship with him. It's not about religion. It's about having faith and like being able to have communication with God. That's the whole reason why Jesus came and yeah. then had to, had to go. So for me, that's the best advice. Um, the worst advice, the thing that comes to mind is, well, there's a couple things actually, um, but there's always this thing, especially as a man, where it's like everybody tells you like go get yours like go get your you got to get yours like you like you got to be ruthless in business you got to be like you got to go and climb over people like whatever like don't worry about the body like all all the stupid things that we've heard like it's the worst man like flip that thing upside down all I've done in my career and all I've tried to do I'm not perfect but it's to lift people up around me so like mm-hmm. if you're looking to get yours or you're looking to better your life specifically like i gotta do this for me and like it doesn't matter what anyone else like i gotta go and get mine i think people are gonna fall short i think that they end up in a very unhealthy like unhappy place because you know the, the the enemy's a hard taskmaster, bro like you're gonna get stuff put on you that nobody can live up to and then you're just gonna start feeling bad about yourself so that's terrible advice like don't don't look to seek your own gain like the world, like every like hardcore businessman and multi-millionaire teaches. Like not saying everyone that has money is like that, but you know the people I'm talking about. Like, Seek to lift up a brother or a sister in need and watch God work on your behalf. That's, that's what I got.
1: And that is a wrap for this episode of the Try, Fail, Learn podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating and review. We'll catch you next time.